Good morning, tribe. What is going on? It is Michael Fleming. Oh my gosh, I hope you're having an amazing morning. I know I am, and I'm really excited about episode number, what are we at, 17? Is it episode 17? Yes, it is. Episode 17, and we're talking about culture. And uh, this is one where I'm kind of piggybacking on some information that I shared earlier uh, in an earlier podcast where I was talking about your culture starts with you, right? And, and during that episode, it really was talking about kind of that mirror theory, right? Where you're setting the tone for the culture of your practice and your surrounding environment, right? And so that building on that, uh, I want to even talk about that as far as part of my assimilation here into Houston, right? Where, you know, a lot of people will often follow your lead. And so if you're leading with a smile, you're going to be greeted with what? Probably a smile, right? Uh, Unless they're not having a good day or whatever, which has nothing to do with you, right? But for the most part, you know, if you're greeting with a smile, you're going to be greeted with a smile. If you kind of come in and you've got a bad attitude or you're really chewing on something and you've got a serious look on it, chances are that the person that you're going to interact with is either going to ignore you because you're kind of stuck in your head or they're going to mirror you or they're going to kind of look serious or they're going to be almost anticipating a tough interaction, right? Back to the uh, story I had told back at working at Starbucks Coffee where, you know, some people are coming in, they haven't had their first cup of coffee yet and, you know, they're dragging a little bit, but then all of a sudden they see a smile on someone's face behind the counter and they start to smile, right? It's very similar, right? So kind of talking about my assimilation here to Houston, and if you're a new listener or you just kind of jumped in at episode 17 here, uh, I recently moved down to the Houston, Texas area, uh, specifically in Sugarland, Texas, from Portland, Oregon. So a little bit of a, a different culture, uh, a little bit of a, a different, well, everything. <laughs> I think my last episode, uh, podcast episode, I was talking about my kids had a day off from school because of the county fair. So agriculture obviously being a big part of the of the culture down here and they celebrate that and it was awesome. And of course, you know, when in Rome, guess what this guy did last Friday? Went to the fair, right? I mean, this is a, if it's a big deal to the local community here, it's got to be a big deal to me. And so part of that, you know, assimilating and becoming part of the, of the existing surroundings and the existing culture is that participation, right? And so, and, and that willingness to participate. And I will tell a, a fun and encouraging story from that, as you can tell from, from my behavior, uh, even from the way I talk to you right now, I could be considered as outgoing or a type. I enjoy conversation. I enjoy connection. I enjoy that proximity with other human beings. Uh, but the difference between me and you is absolutely nothing. Uh, everyone values those characteristics. Everyone values that connection. Everyone values that proximity. It's just a matter of who is taking action to better position themselves to receive that, that energy, right? Uh, that to receive that connection, to receive that proximity, to receive that love, right? And so, if you're if you're conscious about it, if you're aware of it, if you're putting yourself out there in a genuine manner, you're going to be received well. And so, I did want to share a success story there because, you know, last I guess it was Saturday, so we had the the fair on Friday, and on Saturday we had a big deal because my son had a football game. Then after that, each of my daughters had a soccer game. After that, we had, uh, it was homecoming weekend at the local high school. And so one of the things that our youth football program got to do was to run onto the field before the varsity players did. And so 
as you can imagine, this big inflatable tunnel that has this massive, you know, uh, cow type figure because they're the Longhorns, right? And uh, you imagine all of these like third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders uh, in their football jerseys running out onto the field and just sprinting across the field that hundred yards from football field end to end, and they're yelling and running and laughing and screaming and having a good time. And it was a big deal. It was kind of fun. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, but here in Texas, uh, high school football is a big deal. And so we have, we are embracing it wholeheartedly. In fact, Noah, my, my son had never played football. His older brother, uh, did play football. And so he kind of looked up to that, but he'd never played before. He's more of a baseball kind of kid, but since we're here in Texas and part of that assimilation, hey, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And so he got in and uh, he's been a really good sport. He's still trying to figure out up from down and, you know, what that means to actually go and hit another human being. But, you know, he's working on it and he's trying and that's the whole thing. It, it all comes back to what I'm talking about here. I'm not I'm not telling these stories just to run my mouth. I'm telling these stories to plant these seeds again with that connection, that openness, that willingness to share your inner desires, right? And what's important to you. And that really comes back to your culture, right? So whether you are, you know, a practice owner right now or an office manager or a director of marketing, you are all, you are part of setting that, that tone or setting the baseline for what that culture in your business is going to look like, right? Does that make sense? Now, as opposed to the podcast episode I had earlier, where it was really talking about uh, your participation and you setting the tone for your culture. Uh, what I'm talking about today is more of the tactical type of implementations of how are we going to start taking that culture and sharing it, sharing that message, right? So it's very similar to in the book. If you've read the book yet, you know, we, we capture what that voice is, right? We're finding our voice first before we ever take it out, right? It's very similar with our culture, right? We need to find our voice of what our culture is, right? Are we a culture of service? Are we a culture of mastery? Are we a culture of attention to detail? Are we a culture of technology? Uh, What is our culture, right? I mean, I could go on and on, but what is important to you? And also, ultimately, what is important to to your patients, right? And you already know this by now because you've been working with these patients and you know what they respond to you, and also you know what they don't respond to, and so, you know, you have a good understanding of what that culture is, right? And so, part of the tools, and this goes right back to the book as well, you know, as we're looking to really dive into that tactical piece of how to implement culture, this is where you grab your book and you open that up, right? But even if you don't have the book right now, stay stay with me, uh, because it, it is, although it is in the book, uh, you can still get a good understanding. I can plant these seeds and then you can go get the book where you can start to implement these, right? Because it really comes down to your core values and it comes down to your mission statement. And then third is your vision statement, right? And so let's kind of go through, you know, the core values because this is something that that is tactical, that is kind of step-by-step. This is where you're really going to want to grab your book and inside the book is the worksheets, as well as if you go to dentalmarketingblog.com, I have the supporting worksheets that you can also download other copies, right? So you have the physical in the book, of course, but if you want to get more copies, so if you're looking to make this more of a collaborative effort to include other people, which I absolutely encourage you to do, it's always great to get feedback 
from other people just to get an idea of you know where their heads are at and what they're thinking about where we currently are in our snapshot in our culture right now right and i'm not necessarily saying that we're looking to have decisions by committee because i'm in fact i am 100% against that i'm way more a believer of progress not perfection but i absolutely believe you know very similar to the book as well you know after we find our voice and after we use our voice it's very imperative that we close the loop by listening to the feedback that we receive and so on that vein of, of capturing that feedback, incorporating that feedback, or at least acknowledging that feedback. I think it's really important. It's a great gauge to also set the tone for what kind of culture you are, right? As much as I think I know uh, right from wrong or, or, or the best path forward, sometimes it's that idea that comes out from left field that at first you're like, what are you thinking? But then after you sit on it, and you're, you allow yourself to kind of process it, you're like, oh my gosh, you start to see that brilliance in the idea or the genius behind that idea, right? Because every time there's a new brilliant or genius idea, it's it's out there on the fridges, isn't it, right? Otherwise, it's just a great idea. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And it, it's really in line with what you already know, but it's those moments of genius where they're just kind of out there. So imagine, you know, rewind back 20 years to the, the beginning of the internet, right? And where you had these these technology people that were coming out talking about how grandiose the the internet, the World Wide Web was going to be, and how many people were rolling their eyes, going, "Yeah, right," because they didn't have a good understanding of what the complete picture could be. In fact, I'm not sure how old you are, but dating myself, I'm 48 years old, and think back to, you know, the early 1990s where it was, you know, it was more like chat rooms, right? There, and then there was the, the websites that you would go to and you're like, ooh, hyperlinks. And you would click on links that took you to other areas, right? But at that point, it was a novelty, right? It was really cool. It was maybe a great form of communication between like chat rooms and whoa, email was kind of cool. But none of it was secure. There was definitely no transactions. There was no Amazon.com, darn it. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like no one saw that coming except for the few geniuses that did. And had I heard that story right now, I'd be like, you're a nut job. You're absolutely crazy. There's no way that there's going to be so many billions of dollars and so much of our commerce that's going to be handled over this world wide web. Yet here we are today. And how much of our information is being transferred? How much of our marketing is happening? How much of our communications? How much of our commerce? How much of our lives are happening on the internet right now? And it's a ton, right? Even down to our smartphones that we take advantage or, or take for granted right? I mean, so much information is handed on that. And how many people saw that coming 20, 25 years ago, right? And so again, back to that genius idea. And again, back to that value of incorporating some of that feedback, because you might have you know, someone that's just out of school that, you know, has had some really high level conversations, but in a controlled environment. And so you kind of take that with a grain of salt, but they come out with something that at first you're just like you. Yeah, sure. That made sense in class, right? Uh, but here in the real world, right? But then after you said it a little bit, you're like, wait a second, there's some, there, there's some merit to that. And then before you know it, you start putting your scenario into that story, right? Or into that idea. And all of a sudden you start to see the value in that, right? And so, you know, Rome wasn't built in one night, right? Grand ideas weren't, didn't happen overnight. And so sometimes it takes these little seeds that are planted that at first you think are, well, you know what, it was novel and great and thanks for sharing that. But then before you know it, they start to grow. And these are, are the things that we talk, start talking about with our core values, right? You know, what are our core values, right? 
Is it service? Is it caring? Is it philanthropy? Like, what are we about? What is our, our business about? What is our practice about? Because this becomes what everyone can rally around, right? And this is especially true if you're running a, a, a practice that is starting to incorporate a lot of m- millennials into your organization. Because I will tell you, at times, it is sometimes frustrating to be able to, to work with that demographic if you don't understand what's important to them. And I will tell you that what's unique about the millennial generation is that they are very in tune with each other. And what I mean by that, and this could be a statement that, that goes across the board for, a board for many people, but I, what I'm seeing with my own two eyes with this generation is that they are willing and able to do more for them, for their community than they are for themselves. Let me say that again, because I stumbled my words there a second. The millennial generation seems to be a generation that is more willing to do something for their community than they are for themselves. And so there's a level of selflessness there. There's a level of, you know, giving back that's important to them. And the reason I tell you this is because for some of us, and especially in a business environment, we're in a business environment to make money, right? And as much as we're, we're in this environment to take care of our patients, to take care of ourselves, to take care of our employees, to, to contribute to our community, at the end of the day, if revenue is not generating, if there's no cash flow, guess what happens? You have no choice but to shut, to shut your door. So the, the generation of cash flow is essential, and at times it takes focus on that cash flow, right? Where some people on the outside looking in may see that as selfishness, right? A more, more of a focus, focus on commerce or more of a focus on business. You know, we saw this back in 2008 with, you know, the, the attitudes towards the quote-unquote one percenters, right? Which how many of you listening are potentially one percenters now, right? Uh, probably quite a few, or you're aspiring to be a one percenter, or you're on your way, on your way to to do that, right? And the reason I say this is it has nothing to do with, you know, your financial status or whether or not you're a one percenter. But what I'm talking about is that perception of what that means to other people. You know, also when you start talking about people that have money, like. Donald Trump, for example, or other people that have a lot of money, oftentimes people will look at that and think that they've done something unethical to have so much abundance in their life, right? And I talk about this because I'm a big believer in living in abundance and it has nothing to do with money. Uh, In fact, it has more to do with like your internal values, but I'm not running down that rabbit hole right now. But, uh, you know, for some people, abundance happens in their wealth, in their money, you know, with money being part of their wealth. And again, you know, not all wealth is money by any stretch of the imagination. But but for some people, when they're living in abundance, they kind of attract money and it comes to them. And you'll, you'll, I'm sure you've seen this as well. You know, sometimes your biggest financial wins have come just because it was a an outcome or, or a byproduct of another genuine relationship. It was left less focused on, oh my gosh, I need to make that money and more of a taking care of the job that needed to get done, taking care of your customers, taking care of your patients. And then all of a sudden the money just started happening, right? It just started coming. So back to our core values, you know, we want to be aware as we're setting these is what are core values that are important to the community? What are core values that are important to 
you know, building your own tribe, right? Every time I start this podcast, I talk about, hey, you know, good morning tribe, because what I'm really trying to, to build here is a sense of community of ourselves, you know, to build an entry point where whenever we put our marketing hat on and where, wherever, whenever we're looking for, you know, whether it's continual education or tribal knowledge or a sharing of best practices, we have one place to go, which is the dentalmarketingblog.com. And, you know, eventually there's probably going to be a, a private Facebook group that comes from this, but it's really a collaborative area where we can really throw out ideas and say, oh my gosh, I tried this this uh, technique out in Detroit and it worked amazing. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in Atlanta and you're like, holy smokes, total non-competing market or whatever. And you're like, that's a great idea. I'm going to try and apply that. Or, you know, I've tried that and it didn't work, but it's, again, we're, we're never, we never reach a point where we know everything. And so knowing that to be true, that's why this is, is created is to create a culture of continual learning where we're not a group of know-it-alls. We're a group of continual learners where we're always listening to new stories and we're always willing to listen to new ideas, right? Because just because something didn't work, you know, five years ago, it doesn't mean it's not going to work today. Or just because something worked five years ago doesn't mean it's going to work today, right? And so we're always looking for the latest and the greatest and what is working right now so that we continue to take advantage of that right now because it may not work five years from now, right? So we, what we want to do is make sure that we're in a position to take advantage of what is working right now, right now, and maximize that. So once it starts to peter off and not work as much, we're well positioned to listen to new ideas and find that next machine that will take us to the next level, right? Does that make sense? So back to our core values, right? What are some core values that our millennials, you know, we're, we're just going to go there, right? What that our millennials can appreciate. And again, you know, what are things that they're going to appreciate that will attract them to you? that may not be necessarily as comfortable for you. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've got these internal desires, we've got these external desires, you know, so if we're sitting down and we've never met each other before and, and, you know, we're hanging out at the bar, we meet at a dental conference and it's like, oh my gosh, Michael Fleming, maybe I've heard of you, maybe, maybe not. And oh, Dr. So-and-so, you know, tell me about, you know, tell me about yourself. You know, what do you want to do? Well, I want to wind up on the advisory board for the ADSO, the American Dental, Dental Service Organization. Oh my gosh, well, why is that? And, you know, so that that is their external. I want to be on the board and that's their external desire, right? And it's like, okay, that's great. But their internal desire of well, why do you want to do that is much different than their external desire, right? Their external desire obviously is to be uh, acknowledged for their significance, right? To be acknowledged as part of that community, right? Uh, the internal desire, though, really digs deeper. And it's one of these where, and I am not going to spend a whole ton of time, but it's one of these where you ask a couple questions and by about the fifth or sixth question, well, why do you want to do that? Well, why do you want to do that? It gets deep to that internal desire of like, well, I want my dad to be proud of me. Or I want my wife to look at me and, and be proud of me, right? Or I, I want my mom to know that you know, I'm the best version of myself or whatever that is. It's that deep internal desire, right? And so we don't often speak to that level. But what I'm, where I'm going with this is that you're better served to speak to that internal desire to the millennials because, again, they, have a, they seem to have a much uh, stronger connection to their sense of community than older generations might have right, and I'm 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 the Gen Xer right at 48 years old, and I'm I don't know where you're at. So you're either that 
Gen X are nodding and going, wow, okay, this is, let me, I'm not sure if that, I can process that. Or you're the millennial that's shaking your head going, finally, someone that, that understands, you know, where we're coming from, right? The old way of doing business isn't necessarily the, the very successful and resonating with how the millennials want to do business, right? They may still have to, right? Because that's how commerce is going, right? But that's not necessarily how they want to do business and why that's important is that they are going to be the wave of change, right? And same with their kids. And just like we're the wave of change for the baby boomers, whatever that is, right? And we make our changes, right? We're going to be doing business the way we want to do business, right? And so these millennials entering now are changing the way that we want to do business. And so if we're able to tune into their frequency, just imagine how successful we're going to be able to do or how successful we're going to be able to be. As opposed to, we just keep doing shit the way that we want to do it. Well, we might luck out and find a couple people that are, you know, subservient and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, but I, I need to do it. I'll do it because I need a job, right? But but that's not really what we're trying to to attract, right? We're trying to build core values that are truly in tune with our internal desires because that's where I'm going with this too. I'm not saying do stuff that doesn't feel comfortable with you. But what I am saying is sometimes if we dig a little deeper and we may not be as open to sharing our internal desires as or as as open as the millennials are it's going to be uncomfortable for you at first and you're going to be like yeah i don't feel comfortable sharing that right now but once you start to open up and start sharing some of that you know then it becomes part of your culture right and then once you start opening that up and sharing it with other people they're going to attract towards it because it's authentic and it's genuine and and again back to these core values where we're starting is that is the two things that are most important is the authenticity and how genuine these these core values are right and so when you're taking these worksheets from the book you're going through the exercises that i have outlined in the book and it's simple out exercises right basically what you're ta- taking is you know a big whiteboard and we're like of all values that we have out there tell me what you you value and before you know it you've got 100 different values that are on this whiteboard right and then what you start doing is you start chunking them together because you might have values that are very similar, but, you know, they can all kind of be rolled up under a certain label, right? And then, you know, maybe that brings it down to 30. And then from there, we need to, what we're trying to do is bring them down to five or six, right? And I go through great detail in the book uh, on how to functionally do that. And if you download the the worksheet that's on Dental Marketing Blog, you can also kind of, it kind of walks you through that as well. But it's really kind of a collaborative effort to really boil down of all these values, you know, what values do we value most? And again, what values can we rally around together as a team, right? Because again, it's about creating focus. So so if service is one of those core values, which it is at our company, right? Then we all speak from a very similar language, right? If we all know that we're trying to provide the best service possible, we're all operating from that same frequency, which means we always pick up the phone. Right. Even if we know we're going to get egg on our face, even if we know we're going to get yelled at, even if we know someone sideways, and we're going to going to get yelled at, whatever that in fact, that's when we run towards it and pick up the phone. That's especially when we pick up the phone. And that's kind of the culture that we've created. And that's just one of our core values is that value of service. And then, of course, you go on to kind of define what service means to you, because it's possible that what service means to me and my organization looks different to what it means to you. What matters most, though, is not what I did but what's important to you, right? And by having these conversations and by creating these, you know, four, five, six core values, now we've built the foundation, right? And then at that point, we can start to move on to our mission statement. And what is our mission statement? Now that we're all working 
from, from the same foundation, what's our mission? Is our mission to serve our community? Is our mission to best serve our patients? Is our mission to best serve each other while we serve patients? Is our, is our mission to generate revenues from our patients so we can give back to our community? I mean, there's so, so many different ways to approach this, right? And again, I'm kind of highlighting it here because all of this information resides in the book, A, in the book, and also from, from your worksheets, right? But these are just ideas or samples of potential mission statements that you can be creating. Because again, what we're trying to do is is create that flag, right? So envision, <laughs> this is, might be a dorky analogy, right? But envision at the, the turn of the times, we've got you know, the American Revolution, for example, and we have the American flag, right? And that was basically the mission statement of those that were fighting for America, right? And looking for independence, right? You know, there was this taxation without representation, rep- uh, representation from across the, the ocean, but they didn't feel fair and they, they felt like it was necessary to have a revolution to separate from, from England or Great Britain at the time and to become unique, right? And that rallying point or that mission statement, just imagine when that flag first came out and they said, this is us and this is what we're aspiring to be, right? This is our mission. Our mission is to be independent from the, from the Commonwealth or from, from Britain or from England, uh, and for us to to become our own country, where we manage ourselves and we take care of ourselves as opposed to that taxation without representation, you know, and so much distance between the decision makers and the actual people that were in the actual country, right? And so that was their mission, right? So, you know, it's a little dramatic for your dental practice, I understand this, but it's still in the same vein, right? Like, what is your flag? What is your mission? What is that rallying point that people can say, here's in one sentence, you know, this is what we are about. And this is why we're showing up to work, right? If we, if our mission is to serve our patients so that we can generate revenue so that we can better give back to our community. Well, that's a very clear mission statement, right? We're doing this for our community, right? And, and, and we're serving our patients to generate revenue, right? So that we can give back to our community. I mean, that's a very succinct mission statement that everyone can rally rally behind, right? Where this becomes valuable, both your core values and your mission statement is not only coaching up to your, coaching up your employees, your existing employees, because everything then gets coached to these core values and our mission statement, right? Everything needs to be in tune with that. It's also massively valuable when you start to introduce other people outside of your culture into your culture so that they have a clear understanding of what's important to you and your organization, right? Does that make sense? And heck, even if your patients seem to see this, this helps them better connect with you. Because again, these, these are going to be things that everyone can see because there's nothing controversial about what you're going to be doing with your mission statement or your, your core values, right? So, you know, even if all of your patients do happen to see it because they're hung on the wall, it's going to make them feel even better about you, right? And so it really kind of helps a define what your culture is about, but then B also coach everything to those expectations, right? So that every patient that we're going to see is it is it in line with our core values and within our mission statement? And if the answer is yes, we're doing a great job. And if the answer is no, then we need to make adjustments. Does that make sense? Uh, and same with with our mission statement, right? Everything needs to be within that mission statement. And, and if it's not, 
then we need to coach to that. And it makes your coaching of employees much easier because if they can give you a good reason as to why they were at least trying to, to be able to operate within that, at least now you know their intent, right? Because there's that difference between our perception of what someone's doing and what's actually happening, right? They, they might be thinking that they're helping or adding value when we see that they're not, that it's not, that's not our expectation, right? And so sometimes that's really important to understand the difference between the two, right? Our perception and reality. Now, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, we've already talked about our core values. Then we talked about how those roll into our mission statement. The third thing that's really important about sharing our culture, uh, and this could be the most important. I might say that a lot. This could be the most important, but this is really important. It's called our vision statement. And the whole point of having our vision statement is to look to the future, right? And this is where a lot of people can have great success, or this is where you can really pull your employees, your partners in, is by sharing where you're going, right? So is it three years from now, you know, we're looking to do what? Five years from now, we're looking to do what? So to have that vision, that forward-thinking vision, so that people can wrap their minds around why they're participating within these core values and why they're participating in this mission, right? So so again, you know, the last mission statement that I just talked about, we had, I just made this up, but, you know, we have, our mission is to best serve our patients so that we can generate revenue so that we can better give back to our community, right? So if that was your mission statement, for example, you know, one of our vision statements might be, you know, by, and I'm recording this in 2019. So say in the next three years, 2021, 22. So to, so by, you know, December 31st, you know, 2022, we plan to give, you know, $500,000 to our our local charities, uh, or we plan to give, you know, 500 hours to our local food bank, or we plan to give, you know, X amount of dollars to our food bank or whatever that is. But it's a vision of the reason that we have these core values. The reason that we have this mission statement is to generate what? Otherwise, it's like a feel-good thing, right? Wow, man, that's so awesome. We, we best serve our patients to generate revenue to give back to our community. Well, how are we giving back to our community? Oh, I don't know. Are, are we giving back time? Do we have times where, where, where we as a group are going to the food bank and donating time? Are, are there times where we're collecting money to give to that local charity or organization? Or are we giving time or money? Or how, how, do, how are we doing that? Because if we're not quantifying it, then it doesn't become real. That which measured become, it becomes real. If we're not measuring it, it, it never materializes. It never happens, right? So, hey, you know, we want to best serve our patients to generate revenues so that we can, you know, give back to our community. And maybe even get to even further detailed, right? So that vision statement, tie, tying back to that mission statement, and this is just one example, guys, but, but hang in there with me, right? Uh, maybe our vision statement gets a little more detailed, whereas in the next three years, we plan to grow our business by $2 million so that we can give $200,000 of that to our local charity, our favorite local charity. And so it, that's a little more detail, right? And, and it's written down. It's our vision. You know, we're shooting for two, $2 million more in gross revenue. Well, why? Well, so we can give, you know, 10% of that, $200,000 to our local favorite food bank. So down here, say it's the, the Houston Food Bank, whatever that is, right? Back at home, it was... Back in, in Portland, we used to donate our time to the Oregon Food Bank, and we would actually give our time 
once a month we would go down there, right? And so I'm still looking for a connection down here in Houston, but you get the point, right? What is your local community uh, where you can either donate time or where you can donate money? But that vision statement, the difference is it's very specific. You know, here we're going to try and generate $2 million more in gross revenues within three years, right? So you've got the goal, you've got the timeline, but then in addition to that, the why. Why do we want to generate $2 million more in the next three years? So that we can give a portion of that, say 10% or $200,000, right? And you define it. It's a real number, right? So when all is said and done, our vision is $2 million more in gross revenues by 2020 so that we can give $200,000 to our local food bank, period, right? And that becomes our vision. And that becomes a rallying point where people can see that and they're like, holy smokes, that is a big and audacious goal. But since it's now defined and we can all work towards it together, it gives a deeper reason of why I'm showing up to work. I'm not just showing up to punch the time time card and work from eight to five or whatever those hours are just so I can answer the phone and you know, can't wait to get off the phone and, oh, here's another patient. Yep, yep, yep. We'll take your insurance. See you later so I can get back on my Facebook on my phone. It's creating a bigger vision, right? And it's creating something for people to be part of, right? And that's what you're looking to do is by creating your culture is you're looking to create something where people want to be included in that culture. Does that make sense? What, what cultures are, do you do you presently uh, participate in, right? Is it... Uh, you know, your local church? Is it your local like sports organizations that you become part of, that you're part of that culture? Man, I saw a, bit, a ton of that like this last weekend with uh, Texas football. They embraced that football culture, man. They were hardcore and it was awesome to see. I loved it. You know, as part of your culture, I play men's softball now. I, and that was one, part of my assimilation here into Houston as well as because I played softball back in Beaverton, Beaverton, Oregon. And that was, you know, great group of guys that I love playing with, you know, well, part of my integration here down in Houston was, man, I got to find a softball team so I can get a group of, of buddies, right? And I've done that. And again, it, it, it helps to be part of that. And what is that softball team? It's part of a culture, right? And what kind of culture? Who knows yet? But well, I do know it's a bunch of guys that like to pretend like they're athletic at 40 years old playing baseball, <laughs> right? Where the only goal is to not get injured by the end of the game, right? If we can get, who cares if we win or not? Did you hit the ball? Did you catch a ball? Did you not get injured? That's a success. We don't care if we win or if we lose. It's just a matter of no one gets hurt, right? But again, that's the, that might be more of a microculture, but whatever, right? It's, it's still part of what attracts us to that, right? And what can we do to create a culture where people are attracted towards you? So I hope that helps. You know, there's obviously more detail in the book. If you haven't purchased the book yet, go grab Dental Marketing, Find Your Voice. It's available um, on Amazon, if you just Google dental marketing, it's the first thing that pops up, uh, or go to dentalmarketingblog.com. I know that there's a link from there to go get your book as well, but there's much more detail on the core values, the mission statement and the vision statement as well. You know, if you're looking for some higher level help or someone to kind of hold your hand, you know, we can obviously help you with that as well. You know, with, uh, coaching opportunities, you can kind of hire us to come on, come on in and help you with your creation of your, your, core values and we're not doing the work it would be more of the facilitation to get everyone involved to help you with that as well as with your mission statement and ultimately with your vision statement but again what we're trying to do because I, I keep hearing this over and over and over again with the, the multiple different uh, practices and especially the, the dental service org organizations that I'm working with today is that culture piece right and you're you're seeing it all over the place too especially like on on LinkedIn on Facebook I mean it's a big focus right now but there's a big difference between talking about culture and improving culture 
and actually doing it. And what I'm talking about here is functionally doing it and taking that first step to start applying it. And is your first iteration going to be perfect? No, but again, it's that progress, not perfection. You're not going to know what perfect looks like until you've gone through and you've dragged yourself through the mud before you find out what perfect is. You know, there's a great story that I recently heard about, uh, let's say, Chris Rock. We all know Chris Rock, uh, amazing comedian. You know, he gets up, he has these HBO specials, and he gets up on stage, and he just slays it from beginning to end. You know, he's got the, these series of stories and jokes that literally just has you laughing from your belly until your belly is hurting, right? He's just hilarious, and you wonder, oh my gosh, how is this guy so funny? Like, like story after story, joke after joke, I mean, he's just killing it, right? And we just see this, like, little segment of one hour on HBO, and we're like, this guy is ridiculous, Right? What we're not seeing, though, is the years and years and years of preparation to get to that point, right? And so, and I heard this story. I'm not taking credit for this story. This is like a Russell Brunson story that he tells, right? But what we're not seeing is all of the bars that he he went up and he told 10 jokes and only one of them stuck, right? We're not seeing the comedy clubs that he rolled into and he rolls out with, you know, his set of, of jokes and stories. And, you know, maybe people only really laughed or resonated with two of the 10, right? And so, but but basically over time, He's putting together, you know, this list of great content that he's built up so that by the time he gets to the grand stage of HBO, he already knows what works because he's been using this material and he's able to, to stack them from from one after the other after the other. And we just like roll and we laugh and this is great. You know, again, back to why I'm even telling this story is it takes progress. You can't expect your first vision statement to be perfect. You can't expect your first mission statement to be perfect. But what it is, is it's that first joke that you're telling at the comedy club, right? And, you know, you're going to figure out which portions, right? Say, related back to like the 10 jokes that Chris Rock would tell at, at his first bar that he told, that he got up and did stand up at, or the first comedy club, right? Not all of them stuck. And and portions of your mission statement might be a little milk toast, or por- portions of your, your vision statement might not be perfect, or portions of your core values. You know, you know there might be certain core values that after you evolve, you're like, oh man, we had great intent here, but this is really a little more important from that. But again, it's it's starting, starting from somewhere so that you can start to A, implement it, and then B, get feedback, right? This is just in line with the book too, where a lot of it is is finding your voice. Well, this is part of that, right? And then of course you use your voice and that's where you can really start to implement your core values, your mission statement, your vision statement, right? And then again, back to listen to the crowd and your crowd being your internal customers, right? The people that are part of your culture, even your patients that are part of your culture. And once you start hearing their feedback, applying what you've learned and kind of go back to that full circle. It's like, okay, let's let's go back to our voice and what portions are really solid right now and which jokes need to be tweaked or just thrown out. And then we go back to the drawing board on some of our jokes so that we continue to improve our culture. Because here's the deal too, guys. As you work towards this great culture, What is amazing right now may be less relevant three years from now. It may be less relevant five years from now, right? Because as as I'm recording this right now, we're in a boom boom economy, right? And so we may have core values that are really easy to achieve when we're in a good economy, right? And it's really easy to talk about philanthropy and giving back to the community, right? When when money's flowing and it's like, oh, okay, that's great. But, you know, fast forward a couple of years when there might be another dip in the economy and there will be because the economy cycles, right? It's just a matter of how long and how much, right? Uh, that maybe some of those core values uh, 
shift a little bit and maybe you need to shoot, reset your mindset back to the abundance because it's so easy when there, whenever there's a, a rollback in the economy to get your head in in scarcity, right? Or in lack when really your head needs to stay in the state of abundance the whole time, right? Because abundance isn't necessarily money, right? Just because there's a dip in the economy uh, that, that doesn't mean that you can't live in emotional abundance, right? Uh, think back to 2000. 2007, 2008, right? The the recession, I guess it was more 2007, 2008. Uh, j- even just watching the news, right? How many of your bank accounts stayed very similar, right? We all, we all took a hit, right? But a lot of us just took a hit to our home values, right? Our, our cash flow didn't necessarily change that much, right? But man, every time you tune, tuned into that, that news station, it was painful. And it, created this culture of scarcity, right? It created this culture of lack. And I remember getting caught in that emotional trap too, right? Whereas, you know, I still had money flowing. I still had cash flowing, but it was more of like, now I got to hold it as opposed to share it, right? And obviously coming that full circle, the next time we have that, the more cash is flowing, the more we need to be giving, right? And I think a lot of us learned that to keep that cash flowing and keep our heads out of the mainstream of what everyone else is worried about and what we have control of, which, you know, is what surrounds us and what we have influence over, which is our culture, right? Which is our business, which is our baby, right? So uh, I don't mean to go on and on and on, but I hope that added value to you. And again, if there's any help that you need, I would love to help. And I'm, I'm here to her. I'm here to serve. And my team is here to uh, help serve you as well. So if there's anything that we can be doing to better uh, clarify or offer more clarity on the things that I talked about. Uh, and of course, go and oh, go and get the book if you haven't received it. And again, if you've got a Kindle Unlimited account, it's free. Just go download it for free, right? Or if you don't have a Kindle Unlimited account, go get it for free. I think it's like a, three, a free 30-day trial or whatever. You can get the book that way. I'm not necessarily looking to just share books here. My, I'm not going to make money on the book. I'm going to make money by generating relationships with people like yourself and helping take you to the to the next level, right? That's That's where I truly add value. Uh, And this is more of a personal project for me to help me continue to find my voice and so that I can continue to add more and more value to people like yourselves that are looking to continually learn and get better at your craft of dental marketing. Uh, Have an amazing day and thank you so much for, uh, for listening and I will talk to you soon. Take care.